everyone, it's Krista Bontrager and I'm your tour guide this year as we go through the Bible as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. This is the Points of Interest podcast where we preview this week's reading and get you ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go. Well, it winds from Genesis to today. More than 4,000 years all the way. George John Gibbs on Route 66. Well, hello everyone and welcome to week 35 of the Route 66 campaign. From Grace Church of Glendora as we're reading through the Bible. This week we're starting in Jeremiah chapter 49. We'll be finishing the book of Jeremiah, reading all of the book of Lamentations, and starting the book of Ezekiel up through chapter 12 of Ezekiel. So let's start off by finishing up a few loose ends here in Jeremiah 49 through 52. And we pick up right where we left off last week, where Jeremiah is pronouncing a series of oracles against the nations. He's been talking against Jerusalem and Judah for much of the book, but here in chapters 46 to 51, he turns his attention to the surrounding nations. And we saw last week how he predicts doom for Egypt and Philistia and Ammon and Edom and Elam and all Judah's closest neighbors. And then finally, when we get to chapters 50 and 51, he pronounces doom and judgment against Babylon itself. And so even though Babylon is acting as an arm of judgment sent by God to punish Judah, in the end, they will also be punished. And one quick note about this whole section of Judah's neighbors being condemned by God. You know, one of the purposes that God put forth back in the Pentateuch for Judah and Israel, for his people in dwelling in the land, they were supposed to be a light to the nations. They were supposed to display the holiness of God in the midst of being surrounded by these non-covenant pagan peoples who worshipped false gods. God put them there right in the middle to shine the light of truth and holiness and be an example of true worship and true humility. Unfortunately, because Israel allowed themselves to be polluted by their neighbors and their neighbors' idolatry, they themselves became altogether worthless, the scripture says. And so when Israel and Judah were no longer proper vessels for shining forth the truth of God, it's as if that light goes out and then whatever light was there to the surrounding nations is also extinguished. And so God must send his judgment on not just Israel, not just Judah, but these surrounding countries as well, lest they become even more evil and more corrupt. And we know from archaeology that many of these nations were engaging in child sacrifice. Judah itself was also engaging in child sacrifice. These were very corrupt peoples. 
Finally, the book of Jeremiah ends in chapter 52 with a historical epilogue. And basically, it's a vindication of Jeremiah as the prophet, that his prophecies have come true. Once he dies, he dies in honor. The book of Jeremiah is a constant reminder of God's faithfulness to his word in Deuteronomy, that God's people will be blessed if they obey him, but they will be cursed into exile if they disobey him. But even in spite of their unfaithfulness, God promises to restore them at a later time with a new covenant, which was ultimately fulfilled in David's righteous branch, Jesus Christ. Now let's turn to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is an interesting book because if we were organizing the Bible according to the type of literature, which many of the books of the Bible up until now have been organized according to the type of literature that they are, really the book of Lamentations belongs in the poetry books, maybe somewhere after the Song of Solomon. It's a series of five laments that are written in response to the fall of Jerusalem. But the reason that our canon or our version of the Bible places Lamentations after the book of Jeremiah is because Jeremiah is often thought to be the author of Lamentations. Now, the book of Lamentations doesn't actually explicitly say that the book was written by Jeremiah, but scholars who have looked at the original languages and compared the vocabulary and the style between Jeremiah and Lamentations say that there's enough similarities between the two books that the prophet Jeremiah was probably an eyewitness to the, the events that are described in Jerusalem in 586 BC and are put in this poetic form here in Lamentations that he is probably the author. So this book is probably written somewhere around the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC. That's really when Nebuchadnezzar comes and burns the city to the ground. He's already done a lot of damage on two previous campaigns into Jerusalem, but that date of 586 is kind of the end. It's the end of the whole thing, and the Babylonians basically level the city. Now, we aren't as familiar with the genre of literature called a lament. That might be kind of new for many of us, but it wasn't new in the ancient world. There are many non-biblical examples of laments from other ancient Near Eastern cultures. For example, there's a lamentation over the destruction of the city of Ur, which is where Abraham was originally from. We found evidence of a lamentation over the destruction of Sumer and the destruction of Nippur, which was another Sumerian city. So this would have been a type of literature that the ancient people would have been familiar with. And this should be a lesson to us that sometimes we have holes in our understanding of scripture and we don't want to skip over those sections just because they don't fit into our cultural biases and presuppositions. You know, many of us are quick to latch onto the happy verses and the promises and this sort of thing, but not as eager to read through and understand the more difficult and hard passages of judgment 
and wrath and curses. And that's what Lamentations is about. And we have to remember that all of the Bible is God's word. And all of it is there to give us instruction about how to live a godly life. And we need to understand and appreciate the book of Lamentations because it speaks to a part of our soul that needs instruction. We need to understand the concept of consequences and that there will be consequences for covenant unfaithfulness. Now, like I said, the Book of Lamentations is a series of five separate laments. And it's really nice in our English translations because the translators have broken those five laments into the five chapters. So the chapter divisions are there to kind of guide us and help us as we read through it. Now, there's three different voices that we're going to hear in the Book of Lamentations. So it'll be helpful if you kind of keep these things in mind as you read through it. One is the author or the narrator, possibly Jeremiah. Second is Zion, or this is a personification of the city of Jerusalem. And then finally are the people of Zion. God himself actually never speaks in the book of Lamentations. But these other three voices display the the extent of the suffering of Zion or Jerusalem at the hands of the Babylonians. If you'd like to review briefly the historical narration, the story behind the book of Lamentations, you can do a quick reread of 2 Kings chapter 25. There you'll get a brief summary of Nebuchadnezzar's campaign into Jerusalem. But what we have in Lamentations is kind of like the big picture mural on the wall. It's the artistic rendition of this person who's watching Jerusalem go up in flames. And all of the horrible realities that are coming along with it. Famine and thirst, rape, the slaughter of the innocents, and even to the point of cannibalism where women are eating their own children. All of these horrible realities are echoed in these poems in the Book of Lamentations. And once again, we want to keep in mind, we had a discussion last week about Jeremiah 29.11. So many American Christians latch onto that one verse about God's blessing. But we have to remember Jeremiah 29.11 within the larger context of the book of Lamentations. Yes, God promised a plan for his people. He promised that this was a plan of hope and restoration. But first, they had to endure the suffering and the harsh realities that are depicted in the book of Lamentations. That restoration wouldn't come immediately. In fact, the restoration is a distant future shadow in the book of Lamentations. We are more confronted with the immediate reality of wholesale slaughter and difficulty as a direct result of God's wrath against his people. Now we get to the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is a prophet who's living also during a time of international upheaval. His prophecies also announced the fall of Jerusalem, including the departure of God from the temple and followed by Israel's eventual restoration. 
But what's unique about Ezekiel is that he is actually taken away to Babylon during the first wave of captives from Judah in 598 BC. So he's a little younger than than Jeremiah, but he's ministering both in Judah and then when he goes away into Babylon. So his prophetic ministry is from about 593 to 571 BC. So the first 24 chapters are going to be a series of prophetic oracles from the five-year period that precedes the siege of Jerusalem in 588. Basically, he's making pronouncements to the overconfident Judeans that God's judgment is certain and it's coming against the city and the temple. Now remember, these people had been rescued by God in a dramatic fashion from the Assyrians back in the book of Second Kings. Remember Sennacherib, he comes out, he's taunting Hezekiah, but then overnight the angel of the Lord comes and kills Sennacherib's army and Sennacherib goes home. Well, that set the Judeans up to think, yeah, we're in Jerusalem. We're in God's sacred city. He's not going to let anything happen to us. And they had some evidence to back that up. So why should they believe these prophets like Ezekiel, like Jeremiah, who are saying, you know what? You're so comfortable. You're so confident. But God's judgment is certain and it is coming against the city and the temple. The next section, chapters 25 to 32, are a series of oracles that again address the surrounding nations, much like the end of the book of Jeremiah did. Except this time, Babylon is left out. It's not part of these oracles. So that's a little different than the book of Jeremiah. And finally, the third section of Ezekiel, which we won't get into until next week, but just to give you the big picture here, is chapters 33 to 48. It covers the 16-year period after the fall of Jerusalem. And really, a lot of the focus here is on the hope for the future. As we wrap up the podcast this week, I just want to spend a couple of minutes here talking about Ezekiel chapter 10, because I think this is a critical passage to really understanding the book of Ezekiel, but also to understanding the, the theology of the Old Testament in a broader sense. God gives Ezekiel this vision of the temple, and it's hard to tell if it's the real temple or the temples in heaven. Part of the vision involves a wheel within a wheel, and I, I've heard people even have some very fanciful interpretations of this, that maybe this is a UFO, but really what's happening here is God's kind of pulling the curtain back and allowing Ezekiel to see the workings behind the scene of the spiritual realm of the temple. And it says in verse 4, Then the glory of the Lord rose from above the cherubim and moved to the threshold of the temple. The cloud filled the temple, and the court was full of the radiance of the glory of God. The main purpose of the temple was to create a dwelling place for God on earth. In the Garden of Eden, human beings had very close fellowship with God. They could walk next to him without shame. But once the fall happened, God graciously provided a way for human beings to continue to have that fellowship with God. He provided the tabernacle. He provided the priests and the sacrificial system so that his people 
could have fellowship with him. Then he provided a more permanent dwelling in the temple in Jerusalem. So here is Ezekiel. He has this vision. He sees the glory of the Lord in the temple. But then we drop down to verse 18. Then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. This is a very sad verse because now the glory of the Lord has left the temple. Another way of thinking about this is that the wedding ring has come off and the covenant has been broken. We're going to continue to see repeatedly in the minor prophets the theme of marriage being used and vows being broken as an analogy for the relationship between God and Israel. And God has gone through even a divorce with Israel. And this is the tone that is being set. The glory of God leaving the temple is another element, another piece of the puzzle in this story. But thankfully, God doesn't leave us there. Once again, when we get to chapter 11, verse 17, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all the vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart. And here again, we have another allusion to the new covenant. I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. What a gracious gift God gives his people through the prophet of Ezekiel. He's punishing them. He's telling them judgment is coming. Judgment is here, but I will not leave you. I will bring you back to your land. I will restore you and I will give you a new heart. Ezekiel can be a challenging book. Don't worry about trying to understand or interpret every piece of minutia of Ezekiel's visions. We'll talk about apocalyptic literature a different time. But for now, we can just say we don't need to understand every piece and part of the vision. Look for the big picture, meaning what is the main point that the vision is trying to teach. Focus on that. Well, I hope you found this helpful this week, and I look forward to continuing our journey next week. We'll still be in the book of Ezekiel. We'll have more things to talk about, especially Ezekiel's vision for the new temple. That'll be some wonderful new ground to cover when we come back together next time. And I'll look forward to seeing you next time here on the Points of Interest podcast. Thank you, and God bless. Shackham Colosseum and Jerusalem City is not a pretty sea. Mount Nebo, Sidon, or Jericho. Antioch, Caesarea, don't forget, you got that tossed dirt and flames and agony on you. Get hip to this time, let's hear. When you made that holy scripture trip.